0: Hi, I'm Julie Wilkinson, and I'm a Chartered Management Accountant, and I'm excited to be launching the Build and Exit podcast. This podcast is for business owners and entrepreneurs who are looking to expand their business portfolio by acquisition, or at some point in the future, wanna exit their business. We're gonna bring real life stories and experiences of people who have grown by acquisition, who have exited their businesses and other areas of business such as funding and cash flows. So there'll be lots of opportunity to learn different areas of business and how you can, in the end, transition your business from a lifestyle to an asset. So look forward to seeing you soon. Hi, and welcome to the Build and Exit podcast. Um, I'm delighted to announce our next guest is Perry Newton. So as a bit of a summary to me, I am Judy Wilkerson and I own Wilkerson Accounting Solutions. We're an accounting and consultancy firm and we specialize in business acquisitions and helping people plan their exit strategies. The guests we have on the show are to give people knowledge of key areas of business, but also how you could use that knowledge to exit plan or buy other businesses. Um, So Perry has a wealth of experience. Um, He's built and managed multiple high brand businesses and has actually successfully completed an exit to a a larger corporate company and also currently owns 266 which is a marketing agency um which does a mix of different marketing and sales but one of the things that's quite interesting is he focuses on um, something called fractional ownership uh which was quite something new quite new to me and um top level that's where people are selling off luxury assets like property and boats um, to different investors who take a share of those assets so perry thank you for coming on the show
1: pleasure nice nice to see you
0: yeah and i'll hand over to you just to give a bit of a um, background of yourself and why you decided to come on the show
1: yeah uh well you know we we specialize in monetization of assets so whether that be hotels resorts Single properties, you know, private or commercial. We work with family offices, or we have done for many years. Uh, but we work with separate companies now, and uh, you know, we we work to try and make people or or people, you know, companies outside the uh, sphere of property, even you know, uh, just businesses in general, if if they want some uh, to mature their brand or they want to be more profitable, more consistent. You know, we we specialise in the actual sales mechanics as much as we do uh, the, the 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 agency work you know that's that's kind of a, the trinkets you know <laughs> that's just a skill set we have but we we do focus on monetization of assets or you know being more profitable being better at what you're if you're selling something to someone or you're marketing something and it and it really the key leverage on that is, is you you want more sales you know uh you want to command more in your market you want to be more efficient and more profitable that's that's where we uh that's where we come in
0: yeah so you obviously had you because you we talked quite often you for a little while and you know you had this before this company you had uh you built a bit of a portfolio and sold i mean are you happy to talk a little bit about that like how you did it and then um what made you exit
1: yeah i think uh You know, we exited for for a number of different reasons because we were fragmented in quite a lot of different markets then in vehicles, uh, property, uh, hotels and resorts, uh, this kind of thing. And uh, one of our UBOs, um, you know, had health issues. So, you know, he wanted to exit. Uh, We had some partnership Deals going on, and uh, one of the partners was becoming more dominant in the business, so they wanted to take a portion of that over and We got some international investors from Malaysia and places like this with, uh, you know big brand names, uh, and they were interested in taking some of the business as well so it was it was a lot of kind of things going on at, at, at one time we, we, we had a, a kind of a mix of a, a, a legacy strategy because um, we, we predominantly work for one main family, uh, an American family uh, office, and there was an exit strategy to some of our business as well. So, and I know so that some of your clients will either go one way or the other. I don't think there's any more strategies, is there? There's either a legacy business, you want to pass it on to your kids, you're building something that you want to pass to your kids, or it's something that you build up and you want to exit. And I think what's important with that is that to understand that strategy from the beginning. You know, uh, and one of the things that I really like dealing with you and obviously the clients that we work on together is uh, to get that kind of fundamental agreement in place at the beginning and partner, make good partnerships with people like yourself uh, so that, um, you know, the, the strategy and structure of all this is, is in place from the beginning saves you going back years and years later. Uh, to try and you know make the changes that you need to make these businesses attractive for a potential buyer you know when you do want to exit or you do want to pass it on you know it's it's crucially important uh, that these things are thought about in the early stages and, and i think what we've done is we ourselves as we've grown we've we've acquired other businesses that have added value to to the individual parts uh, of what we've done whether it be hotels you know whether it be something that might uh, benefit we, we had a boat business you know uh, a big boat business where we specialized and uh, uh uh in Sunseekers. seekers uh you know and we were quite happy to take over other smaller operations that helped us manage that or gave us crew members or or you know uh, something that, that boosted the, the you know the, the the business and so sometimes we did that and other times what we did is we improved what we had already you know, because we have, we have such a broad skill set, whether it's sales, marketing, digital, on the ground, we would go into one of the, one of the businesses that we had and we would, we would improve it. Like we were talking earlier, some, some businesses get so far and then they need to mature. You know, they, they, they see opportunity, they, they want to be bigger in their marketplace, they want to be more influential. You know, uh, I'm not saying that they're building trophy businesses, but they want to be better than <laughs> the other businesses in their sphere. You know they, they know who the competitors are, they want to look better, and I think sometimes you can overlook the fact that to add more value to your company you know to acquire them be attractive to these other customers and to make your business grow you you reach a point where from where you set off to where you are now and your your revenue's cranking up and you're, you're doing millions now or hundreds of thousands you know towards the millions or in the millions, and you find that your brand's not very mature you know it's you still got a lot of elements that it had when you started, but you never get round to it because it's like being a builder or a, or, a, or a gardener, you know. And then coming home and your wife saying, "That bedroom's still the same as it was five years ago," you know, <laughs> but yet you're still going out there and doing building work and decorating for everyone else, and it's exactly the same with your own business, you know. Um, but it, it's something to be mindful of uh, that you take over that online footprint as well as your. The influence and the image that you're putting out there. So, so hence why with the way we work is we have all that suite of skills in house, but it's not really where our focus is. Our focus is on the business structure. Our focus is, you know, what are you gonna, where where do you want to go, and how are you performing, and how could we make you more more profitable? How could we make you sell more, retain more profit, be more efficient, keep your costs down, you know, and uh, really kind of strategize. The vision for the future whether it is for legacy planning or whether it's for exit
0: so it was interesting where you said that people to build their brand then like mature their brand because that's an interesting concept because i think people i do think people don't think about a lot for a start we know on due diligence a lot of people don't even trademark brands so obviously i think people don't think about their brands quite a lot so if you were going to give a bit of advice to sort of people looking to exit in terms of building their brand what sorts of things should they be thinking about
1: well I, I think uh, a lot of people are kind of really protective over the the brand they've got a lot of belief in it in their company and and that's, that's rightly so. I think you, you, you have to have something that that for yourself and I think for the people who work for you, sends some kind of transcendental message down to 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 the people who work in your you know in your company uh, uh, a message of positivity and hope. And and growth, uh, you know, and contribution, and all these messages come down. And I and I think the 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 image that this uh, pushes out there, uh, you know, is is really is really important. And I need I think it needs to fit the the stage at which you're at with your business as well. You know, I think it needs to it needs to fit that. So it's always worth kind of going back at it. And it's it's basically like having a makeover. You know, we used to go around all our businesses and, 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 you know, our, our head teams of these businesses who used to manage these on a daily basis. And every so, so often we'd go back to these and say, you know, do, do you guys need a, a bit of a makeover? You know, we'd, we'd have a look at the market that they're in. We'd have a look at the competitors. We'd, we'd see how much traffic, how much interest, how many people are looking, you know, uh, through the analytics at these companies. You know, who's watching them? Where are they marketing? Where, where are they making their spend? All these things are quite easy to see where your competitors are spending their money. Are they are they going out there and actively trying to capture? You know, are, are they using more rudimentary ways of of, of um, you know putting themselves out there? You know, uh, mail shot. You know, are they doing are they doing you know non digital things? You know, uh, more analog type of things. You know, and it's this kind of sidestepping all the time, and looking at these kind of things that kind of, that, that does keep you in front and give you the edge. But it's it's no different than giving a, a person a makeover. To keep looking at yourself every now and again and thinking, you know, do do we look like we're ahead of the pack here? You know, do do we do? Is that, is that what is the image that we're putting out there? Yeah, you know, not only to the people that are outside, it's people that are inside your business as well. You know. You know, we're 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 working with a, a an iGaming company at the moment in the Mediterranean, and they're the same. It's a competitive environment that they're in. They have a fantastic culture, and uh, they do sports betting and iGaming and, and and that kind of thing. And and but they they have this amazing culture. Uh, so for them, the biggest thing for them is not acquiring more clients for that company. It's it's acquiring. The best software engineers that they can get, because that lifts the peer group. Uh, you know, the the less they, the the more that they look credible, and that they look like somewhere where people want to work, and they have long term prospects, and they have freedom of working remotely, and they have all this this kind of stuff going on, and they have great environments. The recruitment costs are less. They retain great people it attracts more good people to them, you know, more high quality software engineers, you know, um, and, and this is really important, you know, to, to have good people in your company. And there are, people are attracted, they check you out, you know, people, people use the internet as a point of reference now, whether it's your customers, they, they'll check on you, if they buy something from you, they'll recheck on you, they'll check on your personal Facebook pages to make sure that they've made the right decision spending the money with you. And yeah. people do this all the time. And employees now will check you out and they'll say, you know, does this fit my image? Is this the type of company that I want on my CV? Is this the type of company? You know, the roles have changed slightly now, you know, so and they'll check you out and say, you know, is this adding value to my life working for this company? Is this something that I want to be associated with?
0: Yeah, because that's interesting, isn't it? You're saying that they're focusing more on who they're employing than just the customers. Cause I suppose what we're saying here is thinking about it differently from acquirers perspective. So if you're, you know, it's okay having all great clients, but you know, when a buyer comes along and is looking at oh, I'm going to buy the business. Actually, if there's no one there to service those customers or there's risks that you have high turnover of staff, actually, it might yeah. not even be the numbers of the business that makes you less attractive. It could actually be the delivery of just the whole business, the actual business model of the internal resource.
1: Yeah. If you're buying and selling a business, you're, also, you're buying the people. You don't want to think after two minutes all the people's going to go, even if the asset value is in the company itself you know you, you still want to think you're taking over a company where the people love to work there they've been treated well they're rewarded well the growth prospects are good you know and and you know that will reflect in the homework these people do i mean it, you know you can't think for a second in this day and age that um, people who are, who are who are buying a business uh, are not going to really sift through Page one, two, three, four, five on Google. They're not going to just search the first page because all the nasty stuff is on two, three, four, and five if there is any. Or, or they're not going to. They're going to look at the engagement. Uh, if, you've got an, if you've got an about us page and all it says is a, which I've seen loads of it. The about us page on a company I think is really important because that shows you the people. It shows you the culture of the company. You know, it shows you how it was managed by the people at the top of it. And the thing is, uh, uh, and the thing is, is when you sometimes look into this, the About Us page, the company talks about itself and not about its people. And I find that completely laughable. The About mm-hmm. Us page, and, is it, and it goes on talking about the company again. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. Well, no one's interested in that. I want to know who, who, who Maureen is, who, who works on the lathe, who does the lathing. How happy is Maureen? And I want to check mm-hmm. Maureen out on Facebook if I can, just to see whether, you know, She's a nice person, and, and she and she posts things about her company. You know, it's this kind of thing. I think this kind of detail. Maybe, maybe it, you know, uh, not everyone's you know quite as detail orientated as me with that level of um, you know kind of inspector clues, But I, I would like to think that if somebody's spending millions on buying a business, or hundreds of thousands of pounds, I would want to know everything about the people in it. Mm-hmm. You know, not oh, only the leaders yeah. of it. The, you know, because you know, I, I think it's a lot of value. It would make me feel more comfortable if I was taking over something that, you know, that I could add value to, obviously. You know, you wouldn't be doing it otherwise. But um, also that the, the people in it were, were, you know, were feeling like they, they had a valued company. You know, it does make a difference. And I think people do check it
0: yeah and that's interesting isn't it because and i think this is one of the problems because a lot of the smes being sold are sort of owner operated so the problem is yeah. like you're saying they're maybe they're fo- they're focusing a lot on the deliver getting new customers which might include sales and marketing but maybe always from maybe just slight role aspect all the time because they're just focused on getting more and more customers and then we know don't we, from these owner-operated businesses that they then do everything in the business so even if they've grown to quite a substantial size and they have people I've seen in because of all the due diligence that we do in the deals where, you know, people will say, Oh, I've got a managing director, but what they're not thinking about from a buyer's perspective is, well, what who is that managing director? So, you know, in the real world, if you put someone into a management, it's Bob that's worked in the company 15 years and he's been a lawyer and he's now been promoted to the MD. But if you took yourself out from an investor's side and said, well, if it was more of a corporate company, would that person get the role? Because what I see a lot in the companies is the MD itself this MD isn't really got the skills of an MD. What they've done really is they've dropped the boat. The owner was working 70 hours. Now they only have to work 30 hours. For them, it's a godsend. You know, this person's, you know, the be all and end all of the company. But actually, are they delivering an ownership of a company that someone would think if they bought into that MD? And that's what you're saying about the resource, isn't it? About the people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and I think, you know, some that they, they kind of put, Oh, we'll put a Facebook page up or we'll go on LinkedIn. Or this, uh, and the last post that it is, you know, 2017. You're, you're actually better off not having anything up because if, if, it looks like you don't care about anything. You know, so It's actually better you take all that off. And, and I think, yeah, you're right. It, all of this kind of stuff, this attention, and I know people got loads of it, but it doesn't have to cost the world to have a good strategy for all of these things. But um, a lot of companies, they've no idea what their client's acquisition cost is. And it doesn't really matter whether you're selling joinery works or you're doing steel works or you're i don't know you' or you're selling white goods or you're a builder you know, whatever it is there's a, there's a there's a cost to every client that you acquire that you're that you're selling to and you know uh, uh, there's there's so much of this out there that all of this stuff that we've been talking about today this adds value because you, you're organically really drawing people towards you, whether, it's, whether it's, it's better staff, you know, better qualified staff, higher profile staff, or, or whether you're drawing customers to you because of how you're, you're influencing your online space and you, well, you're, you're projecting yourself out there, you know, within your own peer group as a company. And, and that cuts your client acquisition costs down you know, you don't have to work quite as hard if other people don't work have to work so hard to see whether you're worth doing business with or not. You know, mm. um, and 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 when it comes to like you say, when I mean, I know you're more your M and A's like kind of the core of of what what you guys do. You know, and I, and I still think all that adds value when when there's a proposition um, afoot. You know. All all these things. You you want to feel proud about taking over your other company. You want to feel that you're going to add value to it because you want to raise the value of it one way or another. You know, work on what you got or acquire another business to benefit the one you have, but you still want to feel that you're acquiring something of value.
0: Yeah. And I think people focus on. So I think sometimes they do owners do think about people but maybe they they're always focusing on the people that they think are making the money not lesser in the back office so you have to listen last week we recorded um someone that did a management buy in but it took 3 years and the essence of I mean, the it, they, we go into a lot of it on the on the episode but it, the, the the essence was sellers hadn't really considered it but kind of got forced into it for different reasons and the first thing the investors said so more like the angel investors when they'll come in to look at it was well where's your finance team you know go and get yourself a cfo and you know then we'll do it and you know a lot of people are trying to scrimp and save and trying to because the amount of times we see all charts on sellers businesses that say they have an fd and you go well who is the person Show me show me the cv you know, and they're like the sister or the brother or the wife or the t- or the husband of the person, and they've never done a finance qualification in their life. They've never really ran a business before, but they're there because they they they're passionate about the business. But sometimes being passionate about a business doesn't give you the skill to run it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and again, I think
1: that's I think that's awareness because I think you know it's a little bit more awareness, and obviously you're you're bringing that that awareness you know to people forefront of people's minds. It's not there's certain things that you don't want to scrimp on, and and especially when you're strategizing and when you're when you're setting out, you know, on your journey, these partnerings are are really important for your business journey. To do good partnering, like you say, you you know, you can't scrimp, you you can't get Dave from down the road who used to work for for a for a for a business, and you know, he's got some finance skills. You really can't take that kind of a risk, you know, because there's more elements coming into into play here. You know, you you need somebody to sit down and strategize. What about if I do this? What if I do that? Can I structure my that? Well, you know, and somebody to kind of give you that. Backwards and forwards communication with you to give bring ideas that you haven't thought of.
0: And you've obviously with having your exit strategy. Know with you successfully selling. I mean, you've obviously had experience of doing this. So when you sold your businesses or your group of companies, um, who did you eventually roll up and sell to? was it a bigger corporation?
1: It, it, not all. Uh, one was a, a partnership that we'd already had. Like I said, they they were becoming more of a dominant partner. You know doing more and more roles and uh, so you know the conversation came up and they wanted to acquire the rest of a certain a certain part part of the business uh, or certain properties and, and businesses that go with it so so we let we let that go and that arrangement was made and there was uh, other instances where we just had singular businesses that wanted to grow and acquire some of our, such as boat business. They, they, had, they already had charter, charter businesses quite big in the area and they just wanted to take over ours. So obviously it was a deal worth doing and, and we, we moved that along. And as always, you know, being in the hospitality sector, the hotel mar- market is always moving around because there's, there's developers in there and there's people who wanna manage hotels you know and you know we got approached by a big a big uh, brand who liked some of our properties and they felt that by adding them properties to their portfolio they would expand you know a high quality product in areas where they had no exposure and and that deal probably took about it was pretty quick actually probably about 18 months a couple of years uh, and then that that was done as well, and it, and it came with lots of land and different bits and pieces to it. So, yeah, you know, so, so lots of different things. And, and obviously, and we also had uh, the, our UBO at the time. You know, had some, like I said, some unfortunately had some health issues as well. And like we were talking earlier, his kids didn't want anything to do with it. They were, you know. They'd made lots of money over the years. The, the, the kids had fragmented. And they lived in the States and they lived in Italy and they lived here and there. They didn't want to run a big business. They didn't want to run even the little bits of the business. <laughs> they didn't want to run any of it. They all had their own little things that they wanted to do. So they wasn't interested in uh, you know any of that. So it came a point where we just had so much interest in little bits of the business that were already going on. It left like some core Assets and we result. Well, we'll just sell all of it now. We'll just we we'll just break the rest of it up and sell it and uh, mm. You know, and, and that was it everybody went the happy merry way and it kind of worked yeah. I don't think there's any kind of You know Set rule to it, but you know, we were positioned well for it We, we yeah. knew at the beginning that these were options that will would at some point come So we prepared for it from the beginning because, like I said, there's only two ways you're going to go. You're either going to keep it for the pass it to the kids of the family, or you're going to exit it. That 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 is it really. There isn't nothing else to think about. But you do need to be set up properly for that. I think.
0: Yeah. And so many people are seeing that. I mean, we see that in the acquisitions, like they're not thinking about their setup enough. You know, we've seen deals where people have been talking about these deals for months and maybe they start the due diligence a bit too late in the process. And then we've come in and found there's like a random company that's like the holding company or something, but actually got trade going through a few hundred grand. It's never been included in the valuation or people that have multiple trades and businesses and they only want to sell part of the company and now they haven't got the right well they can sell it but it makes it more complicated because they don't have the good bookkeeping so they can't split the they can't show what what costs and sales relate to that part of the trade um whereas you yeah. know like you if they thought about it 18 months you know three years before and thought well, right, i'm going to do this and spoke to the, and got the right finance team spoke to the right people you know and getting the setup right they could potentially get split things out get it set up correctly get the right things in place and then it makes this, everything a lot easier so yeah, yeah, I definitely
1: agree. I, I, well, it's, it's difficult enough when you sat in board meetings with, with different companies, and especially when these different companies have different board members in it, uh, they tend to look at a set of numbers uh, you know, the way they, they, they understand them. They have a set of numbers, they have the, the, you know, the, the P&Ls, they, they have it laid out the way, the way that they, they understand it. And, it. and it's difficult enough sitting at different tables and you have to tune in to how they they they're reading through it especially it's a team of people a management team who are used to looking at things and discussing things in a certain manner this is this is you know oh, but this is one art in itself i think where you have to be flexible you know and patient but but what's frustrating is when you sit at the any of these tables and there isn't the correct information in these documents or there's certain things omitted for certain reasons. And you have to, and you know, and you have to then chase this information through. And I find that intolerable because no one's got the time for this type of stuff, especially when, you know, I always kind of revert back to my Yorkshire computer. You know, it's, it's like there's something going out here and something coming in here. And, and it's just a quick tally up of, th- of this one way or another. It's just a more complicated look at this. But when there's something's missing from one side or the other, whatever reason i find that intolerable i just can't be doing with it you know whether whether there's funding or there's interest on funding and it just doesn't show in the books well why is it in the why is it off the books why would you why would you not include it because that skews all the numbers now or some or, or you know there's, there's some debt in there that hasn't been uh, accounted for because of some self-imposed reasoning you know mm-hmm. it, it, you can't have this kind of thing going on because it, it these are things that waste everybody's time and they're so frustrating because you think you're looking at one thing and then and it actually turns out to be a completely different story. I, I really dislike this. When you're doing due diligence, you're going through this procedure and you hit these kind of roadblocks. Uh, and it, it happens a lot, a lot a lot more than you would probably think. You know, mm. and, and I think some, sometimes it, it's a bit of naivety. I don't think it's ever done uh, maliciously or, or kind of in a devious way it, it's it's just like some people get used to bad habits
0: yeah and this is why I wanted to get you on perry I mean we're coming to sort of towards the end of the episode but i think it's really interesting because you know you run this sales and marketing company you know but you're and people are trying to find the right sales and marketing team but all these things we spoke about is what you know the business acumen that you've got i mean this is what you know people get when they use experienced people in the in the field when they're helping and not scrimping and saving you know trying to do the facebook ads themselves without really the the, the strategy because everyone just wants to spend on what they think is what's going to generate the income not really thinking about the brand because you know if so you know if someone's looking to sell their business but they need to build their they might need to improve their brand and their sales or you know sort, sort that out it's really interesting to think that you know as a marketing company a sales and marketing company you've got all this experience and understand that this, this business acumen because you say the word board being you know i would say 50 percent of smes probably don't even have a board meeting anyway. <laughs> so just that alone, yeah. so just, just to like start those things in your mind and think, right, I've got to start my brand. And the brand isn't just what people see on LinkedIn or Facebook, it's actually what do your employees think, you know, and then how incorporated are the employees. So um yeah, so yeah no, it's been really good to hear about like your experiences. So just before we get off there, obviously coming to the current day and you're with 26.6, you know, and we talked about the fractional ownership. With what you're doing now, so if people were looking, so obviously this can help with their exit strategy planning, you know, what sort of guide would you give some sort of the few top tips to say, you know, if they were going to come to you and say, right, I want to improve my sales and brand, what sort of top tips? I know you work in detail with people. Well, what top tips could you give people to start like, start thinking about now whether they actually need to improve their brand?
1: There's a lot of kind of agencies out there who do some great work. Uh, but but I, I think you don't have to spend... The Earth doing it. I think it's all. It's always good to have, like I say, uh, a makeover session. Let's have a chat about, you know, how do we look, you know, to, to everybody. How do we look to people who we are employing? How do we look to the people who already work for us? How, how do they feel, you know? Uh, h- how do our customers feel, you know? And, and it's always good to kind of have a look at that and your client acquisition costs. All this kind of stuff is always a, a nice little meeting to have. But you don't have to bring these agencies in who. Charge you loads of money to do it. They, they should really have some skin in the game. We certainly do when we speak to our clients. You know, we we, we um you know we, we we do quite a lot of jobs where we you know we'll speak to people for no money at all, and we just kind of have a chat, you know, to discuss things and see whether there's a path forward for it. What what you don't want is these these guys coming in charging you like lawyers for every kind of phone call. You know, because there are a lot out there like that. I mean, it's supposed to be, you know, uh, a constructive kind of thing, you know. So um, I I would just say, you know, like I say, it's it's a bit of a makeover session. It's, you know, when when are you going to sit down and pay some attention to look back at your strategy again? You know, look back at your image of your company, you know, and where you're going with it. And does it fit? Does it fit? Your image, does it fit what you're trying to portray out there? Is, is, is it benefiting you? And you don't have to spend tons of money doing it. It just needs a little bit of thought. You know, do you need to mature your brand now? Is it time now to grow up a bit? You know, is it time to look, to look it coldly in the face and say, okay, where are we going? Does it look good for future investors? Is this, is this good? Does it, would I buy it? Would I buy my business again? You know, would you buy mm-hmm. it? Would you buy from it? Would you work mm-hmm. for it? You know, these, these, these are great questions to ask, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and you know just to sit down there and, and it's always worthwhile having a go at it and all these things bearing in mind are budgetable, you know the same as staff motivation and all the rest of it uh, and and any kind of stuff on marketing, so, so all down yeah. all down to clever budgeting.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I know all about budgeting. So yeah. So I think the essence is you know people you you give us some really good questions there. And I think the the main principle is to people if they're thinking about exit, if they've never done this before then probably it's the time to start if they're looking to exit and even if they have done it ask themselves because we have similar questions on the finance side you know, ask these questions to themselves and if they're not sure then i think i would be saying that's probably the time when they need to start thinking look i maybe need to have a like this you know this makeover assessment of the brand to make sure someone is actually going to want to buy it um because like you say if you've never really assessed it then you wouldn't know. And to be honest, this has been a bit of a learning curve for me. I mean, I'm not like a marketing expert, so understanding how to manage your brand and stuff is really important.
1: Yeah. It's it's not a case of just having someone come in and giving you lots of little graphs and charts and this, that to justify the poor performance because there's there's such a lot of that going on. You want someone to come in and who's going to help you, you know, not come in with a handout to start with and somebody who, you know, where you're going to get tangible change, you know, you know, where you can see it and feel it and, and, you know, on the bottom line, you're seeing it, you know, you know, there's too many people out there giving charts and graphs and, you know, executive and board members don't understand half of these graphs anyway. You know, what's the point? They, they just want some results. They, they just yeah, want yeah. somebody to actually do what they say for a change, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. So if anybody is like looking for a brand maker or needs to get you, where can they find you? Do you want to give your contact details?
1: Yeah, you can find us online, 26.6. We're we're out there. You can find us. We're we're on the internet. We're dead dead easy to find. 26.6.com.
0: Brilliant. We're we're there. Well, thanks so much for coming, Perry. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed the show.
1: Yes, I've enjoyed it. It's been very nice
0: oh good and um if you and to our listeners thank you again if you're listening to the show um it'd be great if you want to hear more um of acquisition exit strategy planning um subscribe or leave a review on our apple channel because um, there's lots more to come so thank you for listening so once again thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our podcast i hope you found it useful if you think there's anyone else in your network that might benefit from our podcast then please share it with them either just click the link and send it to them or send it in a facebook group or other social media channel don't forget to subscribe so other podcasts come to you directly as and when we launch them so i'm really looking forward to seeing you next time we've got some really exciting things coming up and we'll see you again soon